Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation oh. Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Catherine. Hello, Susan. 
Hi. Okay. Ken, wow, your first solo flight here. Okay, (laughs) Catherine, good work. It's sort of solo. I believe we have um, Rebecca with us. Rebecca, are you here with us? I am. I'm. I'm doing a little backup just in case we Yay, had a conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, wonderful. Uh, so, and being that I'm, this is so important. So. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad that she's here to help me make sure that we get all of this properly done. There we go. Hooray. I was talking to uh, Justine and Monica Jean, and I told them that it was beautiful, sunny, and mild here. And they said, oh, what was the temperature? And I said 48, and they laughed until they fell off their chairs. It was 98 in Costa Rica. Wow. So they, they had a very hard time thinking of 48 as a comfortable temperature. So and then I would willingly really take myself outside into it because it was so lovely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I tell you, I'm feeling pretty comfortable with the uh, the snow melting up here in Alaska. We have actually begun what we call breakup up here, and it's a, a celebration in itself. Spring is absolutely It is. Nice is it early this year? You know, we love to talk about that a little early, a little late. It's about on time. Could be considered a bit early. Started for us in November. It was really hard froze, you know. So it's it's good timing. We're ready. Ready, exactly. Ready to let it break up a little bit and start to shift through there. Wow. We have such an exciting guest this evening. Our guest this evening is Eagle Song. Eagle Song Evans Gardner, or as she likes to say, she is a three-name woman. Eagle Song has always forged her own path. She forged her own path with me. She didn't come an apprentice. She just came and stayed with me. Um, she didn't follow any of the rules, um, and yet we have created a very long-term relationship, which has extended for more than 25 years. I honor her deeply for all of the work that she is has done in the world and in her own self as well. And one of the really big things that she's done in the world is the um, Pacific Northwest Women's Herbal Conference, which I will be at this year, so check that out. And one of the big inner things that she has done is to trace her path by following Hawthorne. And we are going to get to hear, um, I'm sorry, it's the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference. No, Northwest, Pacific Women's Herbal Conference. We are going to get to hear about Hawthorne, the more than a thousand species of Hawthorne, and Hawthorne's invitation to you, brought to you by Eaglesong. She will be with us here this evening at 9 o'clock my time, or about an hour and a half from now. So stay tuned or come back. You will very much enjoy Eagle Song. Two important messages that I've heard from Eagle Song. One is a message from her mom. And her Eagle Song says, her mom gave her the best advice that anyone has ever, ever given her. And that was her mom opened the door and said, go outside and play. She says it was good advice as a child, and it's good advice as an adult, too. 
And then it's something that Eagle Song once said to me, she said, you know, when you're putting the puzzle of your life together, every piece is important, even if it's just another piece of blue sky. She's such a beautiful soul. I'm so glad so she's I, with us tonight. Yes, very much look forward to talking to her. And do we have any people who have pressed one to raise their hand and ask a question? Certainly do. We certainly do. So I have um, quite a few callers here with their hands raised. If anyone wants to speak with Susan, please press one and we will through to her. Um, it looks like we have a caller from the 908 area code, Susan. Hello, caller. Hi, Susan. Um, it's Dorothy from New Jersey again. I said I'd call back and uh, ask you my second question this week. Okay. Um, I asked you last week about uh, chickweed, about picking it along the side of the road because I was worried about uh, maybe the exhaust or something. And um, so you cleared that up for me, and I did find some about a mile from my house, a nice healthy plant, and I picked some three days in a row, and I used it on my eyes, and they cleared right up. Hooray, chickweed. Yes, I was so, so appreciative. Thank you. Um, My second question was actually about the coronavirus, but um, I wanted to ask you uh, a little question about tinctures, about making tinctures myself and getting them into the smaller bottles. I have a lot of trouble doing that, and I wondered if you have any tricks of the trade that you've kind of found work really well. I I mean, I use funnels and and filter, you know, uh, strainers and everything, but I always seem to get quite a bit on the counter. So I was wondering. Okay. Well, first of all, when I make a tincture, I don't decant it, which is what we're talking about, taking the liquid away from plant material. Until I need it. Yes. So I might have a tincture sitting in an unopened jar for years. Mm, Yes. One of the reasons is that when I first moved to Laughing Rock Farm in 1978, one of the things that I was very excited about having a permanent home was that I took every tincture that I had made up until then and put it in a dosage bottle, those smaller bottles that you're talking about, those one-ounce bottles. Yes, yes. And I had over a 100 different tinctures, and I arranged them alphabetically. And I was shocked and horrified five years later to find all of those bottles were empty because the alcohol had evaporated out through the rubber. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that made me understand that it is better to leave the stuff in the jar and just take some out as I have need. That said, when I am making the tincture, I say to myself, is this a jar that I will easily be able to pour tincture from? And 
is it a jar that I will easily be able to get the plant material out of? Yes. So we soon learn not to make tinctures in very narrow mouth jars. (laughs) Because they are, well, my friend Dolores LaChapelle said there is no mountain you cannot get to the top of, but there are a great many that you can't get down from. Uh And it's rather the same. There is no aperture too small to put plant material into, but there are many too small to get it back out of. Yes, yes. So on the other hand, the smaller the aperture, the easier the liquid pours out of it. Hmm. Right, right. Right. So you got to kind of, hmm, you know, do that. If you have a jar that's particularly sloppy, what I do is I resort to my very large stainless steel bowl. And every kitchen uh-huh. needs a stainless steel bowl big enough to bathe a baby in. Uh-huh. And then you put your little tincture bottle in the bottom of that bowl, and you put your funnel in your tincture bottle, and then you pour away, and whatever mess you make is safely contained within that bowl. Uh-huh. Okay. And it can go right back into the tincture bottle or whatever else you want to do with it. Okay, okay. Now, one one thing that I do, Mm -hmm. which just lets me get a little more from my tinctures, is that when I finally do pour off the last of it, there's actually still some tincture in there. I just can't get it out. So there's a couple of things that can be done. The easiest of them is to take the jar and turn it upside down over some kind of strainer, over some kind of bowl, Uh and let the remaining ounce or two of tincture just trickle down. Okay, okay. That can be somewhat difficult if it's a big jar. What professional tincture makers do is they have a centrifuge, Uh. and they centrifuge the last of the tincture out. If you have, you know, there there are juicers that are centrifugal juicers. Yes. And there's like a basket, and it whirls around, and there's blades in there. We can take the Uh blades out and just put your herb in the basket and whir it around. It's a centrifuge, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the second way to do it. Or what I find reasonable and easy is to boil some water and pour it into my jar with the mast, which is the spent plant material that still has some tincture in there. And then I've made what I call tincture tea. Yes. And that can be drunk by the sip, by the quarter cup, by the half cup. It's much more dilute than the tincture is, but it's still quite effective, and because there's alcohol in it, it will stay pretty good for mm, six or seven weeks. Okay. Do you strain the the tea out of, uh, do you then discard the plant material before you store that tea, or do you still keep it in? No, I just pour the boiling water right over the plant material in the jar, put the lid on it, and put it on the counter. Oh, on the counter. You don't refrigerate it at that point. No, nope, there's alcohol in it. Alcohol preserves it. Okay, because okay, I was sort of dreaming about maybe making a syrup, maybe uh, using the leftover, let's say the spent um, echinacea root, 
and doing the, you know, pouring a little water in there, making a tea, and then adding maybe honey or something, making like a syrup. So let me be clear about what I am doing. I am pouring the boiling water over the mast, the spent herb, to retrieve the tincture that is still in there. Yes, yes. There's nothing left in the herb. Okay, okay, good. I'm not pouring the boiling water to get something out of the herb. Good to know. Okay. Right? If it's a successful tincture and if you've used vodka, then you've extracted the water soluble and the alcohol soluble constituents of that plant. And there's not going to be anything left. It's called spent for a reason, right? Okay, okay, okay. It's been spent. Yeah, yes. Right. right, that's why it's mass. It's what's left over. Mm-hmm. David Winston takes that material, puts it in a crucible, and puts it in his sweat lodge fires until mm-hmm. it, it is reduced to ash, and he then mixes that ash in with the tincture. Wow. Okay. Sounds but even great. he does not try to retincture it or rebrew it or do anything uh-huh, other than uh-huh. right reduce it to ashes, which is its minerals. Yes. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I think that's called a hermetic tincture. Okay. He's hermetic the only tincture maker I- that sells commercially that I know that does that. I'm sure there are many individuals of an alchemical bent who uh, <laughs> do things like that. It's an interesting thing to do. American <laughs> yeah. herbalists tend to be, you know, pretty straightforward. We use water. We use alcohol, right? We use oil, right? We use vinegar. Occasionally we use glycerin. But in China, they, you know, put herbs up in um, tamari. Oh, So, yeah. Right. So don't feel limited. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very, very satisfied with my progress. You know, it's taken me several years to get to this point, you know, just a little, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more. And, you know, now I have a little confidence, you know, in, in actually, you know, making the tinctures, and and that makes me very happy. You put chickweed on your eye, and your eye got better. Yeah. yeah. That builds confidence like nothing else. Mm, absolutely. Yes. And again, you know, here we are in the midst of, you know, the... COVID-19 is not so bad, but the fear-mongering that's going, going on. Yes. Yeah. So I, that I had mentioned on my little YouTube that I made already a month ago, um, that perhaps oh. the thing most people need to do is to take some motherwort and calm down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Coronaviruses mm-hmm. are some of the most common viruses. Every cold is a coronavirus. Every flu is a coronavirus. Coronaviruses mutate. They mutate pretty easily. One of the reasons that children 
often have colds is because they are getting coronaviruses. And there are hundreds of different rhinoviruses, coronaviruses, which are cold. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm, as children, mm-hmm. we cycle through them, and that gives us kind of an archive of what cold viruses look like. What's going mm-hmm. to happen is that most people on this planet will get this coronavirus as well. The death rate remains very, very low, between 2 and 2.5%, two and which is even for a flu is very low. And all of the isolation and all of that stuff that that people are doing is just going to lengthen the time it takes for everyone to become okay with it. Because like Mm -hmm. the other colds and flus, we will become okay with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you do, you know, you take some motherwort, you calm down, you eat your sauerkraut. um, And then any other herbs that you've used that help you with the flu, have them on hand. Mhm. Yes, I thought I would make some sauerkraut really quickly because I'm I'm having some trouble getting it in my area. You know, I can get the pasteurized one, but not the raw. I just made two quarts of sauerkraut with the last four cabbages I had in storage. I looked at them and I said, "All right, girls, you're getting <laughs> chopped and fermented." Uh huh. Yes. Yeah, so I I chopped, you know, and I shoved it down into a a wide mouth quart jar, and I just used my hand to really push it down in there and some salt and push it down in there and some salt and push it down in there, and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and I actually got two entire cabbages into each quart jar. Oh, wow. That's great. That's That's very condensed. Yes. Now, they were not, you know, Alaska-sized cabbages. They were CSA mm-hmm. cabbages. Mm-hmm. They were smallish cabbages, mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. But, but not Brussels sprouts, for goodness sakes, <laughs> <laughs> the size of regular cabbages, just not huge. So, um, and then because I have easy access to whey because I have dairy goats, um, yeah. after I had smushed it, Right, salted and smushed and salted and smushed, um, adding cabbage, you know, half an inch at a time and smushing a little salt and smushing a little salt. Um, I finally got the liquid to come up, and then I added three tablespoons of whey. And if you don't make Um, your own cheese or run your own dairy and don't have easy access to whey, then what I suggest is you get some yogurt from the supermarket mm -hmm. and let it sit in the refrigerator Mm -hmm. until it gets that colorless liquid that comes out of it and that's whey mm-hmm. 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 and add that to your sauerkraut then you have lacto-fermented sauerkraut many okay. people do it just just with the salt and the crushing and that's okay too but you add a couple of tablespoons of whey you get a really nice sauerkraut and that takes about how long I let the jar sit at room temperature for three days, turning them over, all right, once or twice a day, making sure that everything's all nice and wet in there. And then Mm -hmm. I refrigerate it, and Sally Fallon says that you can start eating a lacto-fermented vegetable within the week if you want to. Mm, Great, because I have just about enough sauerkraut to get me through the week, so I'll be getting two cabbages tomorrow. Right. 
<laughs> yes, I ordered them. Oh, oh, I'm so happy. Thank you so much. And thank you for saying about the jars because I was worried. You know, I don't have a special crock or anything, you know, but I do have jars. Yes, wide mouth mason jar works just fine. Yep. Okay, okay. All right. All right. Well, you did answer. You did speak about the coronavirus, and I do appreciate it. The only caveat I would add is, is there anything additional you would say for me with my son who has uh, is on immunosuppressants with a kidney transplant? He's young. He's 28, so he's not a baby, but he... His kidney isn't doing that well at the moment, so I I am heightened concerning for him. Where does he live? He lives about 10, 15 miles from me at the moment. Okay. That doesn't tell me anything. Oh, okay. He lives in New Jersey. Does he live in a city? Does he live in an apartment? Does he live in a town? Does he live on a farm? Does he live with a bunch of other people? Does he live by himself? Okay, okay. He lives in a home that belongs to a friend of mine who is renting a room to him and his girlfriend. They have one small cat. They have their own bathroom and their own big closet. And so that's that's the household. The, the friend and of mine. He, does he man, go out? Does he go out to work? He does not work at this point because he is on a, you know, kind so of. So basically, a, his contact yeah. with other people is pretty low. Low, yes, except for his girlfriend who works in daycare, which makes it kind of high, you know, because she's coming in contact with little children at all times. Of the cases that have been reported worldwide, how many were children? Very, very few, if any. Very, very few. Yes. And of the people who have died, how many have been children? Uh, None that I know of. None. None that we know of. We have to, you know, entertain that there might be one somewhere. But, no, this is not a virus that is targeting children. It's targeting Older people, mm-hmm. I think there's a one-tenth of one percent increase in your risk of death for every year past 65 you are. Mm-hmm. And it's targeting people who live in close quarters. Yes, well, he does that, I guess. No, he's not in a nursing home with 100 other people. Oh, oh, oh I see what you mean. No, no, he's not. Only three people not. in the household. Yes, There's not no. very many people in his household. Mm-hmm. Not right, a lot right. of Yes. All right. And and it is it is always always a problem if someone who is taking drugs to prevent rejection of an organ yes. gets any coronavirus, even a cold. Oh, I know. I know. It's not this coronavirus. It's any virus. Because a drug for the specific task of making sure their immune system doesn't fight off infection. Right. So it, it doesn't. Does that mean that if he got the coronavirus, he would definitely die of it? No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It means his chances of getting it 
would be a little higher if he lived in closer proximity to a lot of people, if he lived in a city, if he lived in an apartment building, and so on. Mm, mm, mm. Right, but her being with children is at this point from what I have read and I've read Scientific American, uh, New England Journal of Medicine and a a wonderful letter from Kaiser Permanente who basically um, are saying what I have been saying for the past couple of weeks is would everybody just calm down? All of this isolation is only going to lengthen the time it takes us to adjust to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kaiser Permanente basically said everything that's being done is backwards. It's not at all what we mm. should be doing. We should be protecting yeah. the people who need to be protected, and we should let everybody else just get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because did schools here are closed for two weeks, and then what? Mm-hmm. Then they then they never open again. Yeah, I know. I mean, there has to be a point at which we say, okay. Mm-hmm. Right now, people are taking it as a vacation, and that's fine. I don't mind a vacation. Everybody's enjoying themselves. <laughs> but it's going to get tedious. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I have all I have seen is clusters that form around adults. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I don't right. think I don't think that she is a nexus of infection, and washing her hands should do a lot. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you so much. You're welcome, green blessings. Green blessings, Susan. Good night. Good night. Good night. Susan, we have a caller from the eight two eight area code. Hello, Susan. It's Moretta. Hey, Maratta. Yeah, I got my blood pressure down with all your recommendations. Yay, you. Yeah, I sure did. And I can't believe it. I just love your new book. I mean, I'm reading <laughs> it from cover to end. My God, it's unbelievable. So smack full of incredible advice, you know. So I'm just so thankful that that book came out so timely because um, I got myself in, even though I'm a meditator and everything else, still is a, I have a stressful situation around my both my kids and my ex-husband. So, And I picked up on all the stress. I pick up on things. And uh, I'm kind of very psyche and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But uh, but I got myself out of it, and I during you know poop bags twice a day, and and uh, you know motherboard is a great thing to take these days. I mean, motherboard is a great thing to take these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the coronavirus. You know, it's amazing how crazy people have gotten. You know, but you know, I was nine years old when polio. Um, broke out in uh, Northern Europe, where I was born and raised, and uh, it was uh, pretty much the same, and then people calmed down, and, and uh, you know, a few people got it, and 
and a lot of people healed and got out of it. So, and but it's a, it's a pretty amazing to see this kind of uh, upheaval that people are doing right now. Uh, kind of sad to see it because. Um, I don't know. I have a feeling that if you think you're not going to get it, you may not get it. And, and then if you, they say to wash your hands and don't touch your face, you know, that's, um, do you think that's pretty good advice? Yes. Yeah. But you know what? That's what all the old grandmothers always said anyway. Wash your hands. That's right. <laughs> wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs> And if you don't have food, well, I'll bring you some. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's uh, a very filled with with um, your new book. That's uh, an amazing book. That's one book that every household should have. It's so profound, the advice, you know. And I just, uh, and you know, I've been eating your recipe for uh, shiitake mushroom soup, and I, you know, I have it almost every day. Shiitake mushrooms, and um, you know, and uh, with uh, garlic, and uh, sprinkled with uh, parsley, and I do it in a bone with my bone broth, and it makes a delicious soup. And I believe that that is a very strong immunity booster, you know, for this time. It is, yeah. Right? Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and it's delicious. Oh, my God, it's delicious just to, you know, appreciate appreciate the mushroom world, you know. Mm-hmm. And also appreciate the natural world. You know, and I can see now that uh, <clears throat> when I order things from uh, herb companies, they say, oh, Moretta, we, you know, we're not packing before in three weeks. You know, that's so, and I, I thought, oh, my God, don't tell me people are finally waking up to herbs because it's uh, the biggest orders that I've ever gotten in their lives. You know, wow. Mountain Rose, yeah, Mountain Rose says that, and... So just uh, Pacific uh, Northwest. So it's uh, maybe this is a very big wake-up call, you know, on a on a very positive level. And in um, the world, certainly needs we certainly need to be shook up. And um, yeah, put our feet on the earth. And put our and, feet on and, the earth. Well, yeah. I agree that one of the best responses to being shook up is to put your feet on the earth. And yeah. that, that's one of the reasons why motherwort is so helpful right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do uh, kind of take it every day. Um, I haven't taken it yet, but I still. I, I'll take some before I go to sleep, whether I need it or not. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, 
God bless you, Susan. Blessings, blessings, blessings. You know, may you always be well and how you have served this earth community and and how your your passion has been so inspiring, you know, so vividly alive person. It's rare to meet. And I was fortunate enough to move to Woodstock for a year and run into you on the corner in, in town in some little health food store. Yep. <laughs> That's how it happened. Yep. Changed my, my entire life. Wow. Well, yeah. you're the one who changed your life, but you were... No, I know that, but I just... I met were you open to I, it. Yeah, I met you and I saw it. I mean, yeah. I even had go, goats, for, you're living with goats for 30 years, you know. So <laughs> it was uh, such an inspiration, like uh, you were, you know, something I was just waiting for. You know, I've mm. been in Zen training, Zen Buddhist training for 10 years, and I left there. They asked me to become a monk, and I said, no. I said, I'll take it out in the field. You know? <laughs> wow. That's actually what Dogen uh, said after many, many years of studying. He said, everybody, get out in the fields. Get out in the fields. That's <laughs> right. Get out in the fields. Get out in the fields. Yeah. yeah. Go outside and play. Yeah, that's it. So thank you, Susan. Much thanks, love to you. Thanks and, and letting us know that your blood pressure is right where it ought to be. Yeah, that's where it is. Yeah, it went. The high number went up to 170, and that's uh, amazing for somebody who has a, never have any more than 110. So, right. So. And uh, I happen to have, and it happened at night, late at night. I happen to have the blueberries here. I happen to have the beet here, you know, and I happen to have, you know, um, some of the. <clears throat> Um, passion flower. So it, I just happened to have it, but I was shaking so badly that I had to have, and if my assistant uh, helped me, you know, yes. get it and yeah. bring it to me. Yes. And, and uh, she was so, you know, helped me into a bathtub to, you know, stop the shaking and all that. And to, that's why I'm saying, I, you made me. You, I became a die-hard herbalist because I I wasn't going to the hospital. That's Understood. Yeah, Understood. and so, and you know, so I escaped being on some crazy hot medicine. You know what I mean? Blood pressure yes. medicine. Yeah. And, and this way I can regulate it myself. I can see, you know, if I still, well, make sure you have a second blueberry today too, you know, and stuff like that. So I, can I know. Oh, it's so difficult eating beets and blueberries. Yeah, it's so difficult, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> the little frozen blueberries I take out of my freezer are so, you know, like candy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your call, Moretta. I'm going to go on yeah. to the next person. Wishing yeah. you 
fingering. Much love to you, and you know, wow. I'll call you next Tuesday because I'd love to hear everything you're saying. So. All right, my love. Till then. Until then, bye bye. Bye bye. Good night. Good night. Green blessings. Hey, Susan. We have a yeah. caller from the eight one eight one eight area code. I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. There, it's going to take a while for Miss Catherine to get this flow right, but I just love all you lovely callers, and Susan's wonderful. So we have an eight one eight coming through. Are you there? Hello. Hello? Hi. Hi, 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 Susan. I just love hearing from Moretta. <laughs> now I don't even remember my question. She's so oh, much fun. That's great. <laughs> She's so awesome. <laughs> uh, I could, now I got now, good thing I wrote everything down because Moretta just distracts me because she makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> of course. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Now I'm okay. Everything's gonna be fine. I got my questions written down. There and, you go. Uh, at least. <laughs> she's so much fun okay it's like just do it oh nothing serious anymore now it's fun <laughs> okay so of course we're gonna i think maybe we should talk a little bit about the coronavirus and i'm i've been through um uh stefan harrod bruner's books from 2012 2013 gone through everything made all my notes and I'm just thinking maybe we should preempt a little bit of this and and what what say you? <laughs> I'm seeing zinc, skullcap, elderberry, lic- licorice, ginger, hutenia, isatis, and berberine. What do you think? I don't have any access to isatis or hutenia. So I don't use them. Okay, I, I don't either. But because I don't like to have, have other pe- people pick my herbs for me, unless I know those people and know those herbs. I totally agree. I really like when agree I was that. in Costa Rica, people were mm-hmm. kind of laughing about cat's claw because they said, "Oh, you know, there's like eight or nine different plants that are called cat's claw." Wow. And so you you buy cat's claw, you don't know what the person has picked. And I know, I know me. I don't even know what I picked half the time. Exactly. I just, and, it, I just yes, know, oh, okay, it, you know, there's speciation. Like it Sometimes it really doesn't matter. There are different species of passion flower. Do they all mm-hmm. work the same? Hmm, you know. Hmm. Booner says, well, Chinese skullcap and American skullcap probably work the same. Did that mean that last year I went out and dug up some skullcap root and tinctured it so I have that antiviral on hand? No, I didn't. Because I have a certain relationship with skullcap, and it doesn't include digging up the root because it's not a real abundant plant where I live. So this is, this is what I know about coronaviruses and how humans react to them. Okay. A virus is a little piece of DNA. It's very small. And it goes into the cell and into the nucleus of the cell. And it the word they always use is hijacks. It hijacks the cells. Um, replication, DNA replication. 
mm-hmm. um, process and gets it to make more of it. And this eventually kills the cell, and the cell breaks apart, and then there's all those virus particles. When this happens, the immune system says, what is going on here? Yes. And what's with all these virus particles? I don't like this. This is not healthy for us. We're going to have to get rid of these virus particles. And the immune system does a variety of things to get rid of the coronavirus. One of the first is to run a fever. Beautiful. Viruses do not like to be hot. And so worldwide, one of the treatments for people with colds and flus is to put them in hot water. Oh, this is wonderful. Right? So when your body runs that fever, if your immune system is really strong, you can spike a really high fever and that can kill you. Okay. So strangely enough, you don't necessarily want to strengthen your immune system. Oh, because you want the in- inflammatories to come in. Right? Because you don't want it to, like, say, I can, I'll kill this virus, I'll run a fever of 105. It's like, well, how about 101? Okay. So, you know, oh, that's, that, that's good enough that immune sense. system. We don't have to go overboard here. We don't want, you know, like the, the, the bodybuilder of an immune system here. We just want a normal, fine, happy, healthy immune system, not as strengthened or, or stimulated or an all Yeah, and take a little longer and relax and have yeah, a little like, okay, right? the immune right? system is fine, you know. If you're taking okay. immune, you know, drugs that keep the immune system from reacting, that's a whole different thing, but. Ordinarily, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I take nothing. You I should, only do you nursing be a, herbal Not fusion. need to do anything particular for your immune system. The immune system also makes substances, as you said, inflammatory mm-hmm. substances and things that actually cause muscle cramping. Oh. And thus the flu was known as break bone fever because you feel like your bones are going to break. Okay, that's good to know. Then you know they're not breaking. Just lay they're not there breaking. And it's the watch muscle. the movies. That's that ache of the flu. That's a oh, really your back ooh. feels like you're just gonna. You're, oh, right. Okay. I, wonderful. So bone set Eupatorium perfoliatum hmm? is called that because it was specific against flu-like coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Right. So bone set, not because it sets your bones, but because it gets rid of bo- breakbone fever. Okay, this is excellent. Yeah, so that that is one that I like. What mm-hmm. what herb could relieve muscle pain and is an antiviral? Uh, Hypericum. Yeah. And linden is an anti-inflammatory. Should we do that too? Yes. Okay. But we're already doing linden because we're drinking our nourishing herbal infusions. Yes, hy- we are. But hypericum is an antiviral. Okay. And it, in laboratory tests, it kills um, HIV. Uh, it means broad-spectrum antiviral, and it relieves muscle pain. Beautiful. I always have plenty of it on hand. Okay. So that's one of the things that I use. I, of course, love elderberry, but at this point, mm. I strongly suspect that there's no elderberry to be bought. Mm. 
Well, but, I know where some secret trees we, are, but I yes, made... Because, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm hearing casual, casual non-herbal people saying to each other, elderberry, have you heard elderberry? Well, yeah, and then if you don't do it right and you make a smoothie out of it, you throw up for days. <laughs> I did it wrong five years ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was learning. I had just found your podcast. Oh, you just started. And I'm like, oh, I found elderberry, and I just made it, uh, an entire smoothie and just threw up for two days and went, okay, uh, I need uh, to study this better. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be an idiot to learn. <laughs> exactly. And they say that Elder Moore guards the elder bush, and if you don't ask her permission, she will make you sick. <laughs> I think that's what I didn't do. I didn't. I just went. Oh, this this looks delicious. They, these berries taste great. There you go. <laughs> okay, this is wonderful, Susan. This is wonderful. I'm excited. So oh, the we, other thing to do start. That you know, garlic. Garlic. Hey, I have been certainly eating more garlic. I noticed at the supermarket there was a no garlic on the shelves. I thought, oh, okay, the word about garlic has also gotten out. People are eating more garlic. That's good. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm glad that Socrates has a garlic festival and that I can buy pounds of garlic. So I don't have to worry about having enough garlic. And, of course, I have jars of garlic honey that I've made. Oh, beautiful. I never thought of that. And I'm also finding myself much more attracted to many of my family honeys, like my evening cup of tea. Saying, oh, why don't you have some sage tea? Why don't you have some rosemary tea? Why don't you have some shadow tea, right? And just sticking my spoon down in there and getting a gob of herb and honey, pouring boiling water over it and enjoying that. And those are all so strengthening to the respiratory system. Oh, beautiful. Now I'm doing my mullion because I can tell I'm going to need that. All right. Good for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and thank you for all that. Oh, this is wonderful. This Don't is wonderful. forget marshmallow, a great healer of the lungs. Okay, good. I just got some from Star West Herbs, and I wanted to tell you, Star West Tanicles has liver tea, not a detox, but just a liver tea. And if you look at the ingredients, it's amazing. And they also have the Essiac tea now. I don't know what you your thoughts are on that, but I looked at everything, and it's like, this is all great. Yeah. Yeah, in pound bags. Well, I write, a, I write about Essiac in the breast book. And oh, good. the story, as I heard it, mm-hmm. was that a nurse by the name of Casey yeah. was examining a woman, and she said, what's this on your breast? And she said, oh, that's where I had breast cancer. And Nurse Casey said, well, breast cancer kills. This was quite a long time ago. And she said, well, I met a Native American man who told me, what two herbs to use to get rid of my breast cancer. And Nurse Casey thought to herself, this woman could not possibly have gotten rid of breast cancer with herbs. This is impossible. And just kind of, you know, didn't pursue it any further until a few years later when her aunt was diagnosed with breast cancer and then she went rifling through her files to find this woman and to find out what two herbs the Native American had suggested that she use. The formula of Essiac, as it currently stands, is turkey rhubarb root. Yes, rhubarb. Rhubarb root, burdock root, cheap mm-hmm. sorrel, and slippery elm. Of Beautiful. those herbs, burdock root 
and Slippery Elm certainly could have been known by Native Americans. Turkey rhubarb, very unlikely. And no, that's she- from Alaska. Or from Turkey, it's rhubarb. That now you got me thinking. Is this the same rhubarb we have in Alaska as we do in Turkey? Yes. Oh, yes. It's lovely. It's lovely. It's lovely, but rhubarb root is a very big herbal medicine. There's usually a conference in China every year about wow. it. Wow. Really used a lot, and it, it, it is a dramatic bowel mover. It is it really makes you go and go and back in the whaling. <laughs> It's when the men were eating what? Salted meat and beans and dried bread. They would give Mm -hmm. them a dose of rhubarb root once a week so that they would have a bowel movement. That's how strong this stuff is. So, A, it's unlikely that any Native American knew of it. Two, it's a very heroic idea that cancer is caused by something in your digestive tract that you have to get rid of, right? Yeah, and, I'm not actually even worried and, about cancer. Right, so I don't think that that was one of the two herbs. I think burdock probably was one of the two herbs. I think burdock's pretty amazing. Yeah, and then sheep sorrel is an inconspicuous herb. I love it in salads, but it's never mm-hmm. really been used in herbal medicine much. Is um, that the same as wood sorrel? Is that the same with the little yellow not. flowers? No, 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 and no. No, no, wood, no. Okay. Wood sorrel is oxalis. And yes. uh, sheep sorrel is um, is Rumex acetosella. Okay. Oh, Rumex. So Rumex is the genus name of yellow dock. Oh, there Buck goes the bio family, dog. and rhubarb is also in the buckwheat family. I suspect that the slippery elm is in there to calm down the effects of the rhubarb root. I think you're right because the yellow dock. I, I'm going to have to say this. <laughs> Better be ready because you're going to be running to the bathroom. That's right. But and you can also and turkey rhubarb is like ten times than yellow dock. Okay, so that's what's been going on in my household here. So I would certainly <laughs> never recommend that anybody use SEAC, and especially not anyone who has cancer. The, the, wh- which you don't recommend? The SEAC for the reasons we just went into. Okay. Yeah. But if you want to use burdock uh-huh. and yellow dock and slippery elm, which I call Wessiac. Oh, okay. I have. I, I've been using your, everything you've said. So that, okay, you know, beautiful. that. Right, and you, you'll you have to moderate the yellow dock according to how active it makes Woo! your Oh, Yes, you do. <laughs> right, because both burdock and yellow dock are quite bowel active, so do not overdo them. Okay, I've learned remember that the large intestine gets the chi from your food, and if food passes through the large intestine too quickly, then you lose chi. Okay. All right. No, I'm chewing on slippery elm right now, just to counteract it. <laughs> everything's, everything's wonderful. It's just kind of like one of those ebb and flow of learn and go, okay, that's not working. That's <laughs> golf or Yeah, yeah, but, yep, you know, yep, yep. Well, it's like, like, you know, <laughs> got some good allies on hand there and that you mm, use mm-hmm. this 
You got to experiment. This is a wonderful opportunity to um, educate yourself about herbal antivirals. And thank you, Stephen Booner. Thank yes, thank you so much. And then then what I found, what because I've been actually studying this for weeks and weeks, is that when you get if if you get to the secondary area of coronavirus, you get a secondary anti pneumonia that is now we can't do anything because of antibiotics. So then he goes into resistant bacteria and I'm I'm just got that page open and I haven't even got that far. I don't want to get that far. We will not get that far because then you get once you're healed, you get the the second infection, which is the secondary pneumonia. And then now we have to worry about resistant bacteria. So I'm just thinking we ought to think about this. And I can't tell you any answers because I'm just now opening the book. But I think it's a good idea if people start looking at this stuff because pharmaceuticals are not going to save us. Herbs, plants, DNA from the plants are. They are. It's okay we don't have to be saved. Yes. Nothing bad is is okay. It's really okay. No, it's okay. If if everything goes away, we're going to be just fine. I've. My even, mom, if nothing, even if nothing goes away. Yeah, we're, we're going to be fine. I just we're going to be fine. think, you know, this is not the bubonic plague. This is not Europe where more than half the people died. This is not even smallpox as was introduced to Native Americans, which sometimes wow. saw 80% of an entire village die, dead of smallpox. <sighs> this is not that. We're running a death rate of 2 to 2.5%. Two I know, and it's really small. It's quite small, which is not to say those individual people do not matter. They do. Every individual human being matters. Certainly, we don't want anyone to die. But it is not the apocalypse. It is not a dangerous time. And we will move through it. But we need to do more things with herbs. That's what I think. I think you're right. I think the herb industry can gear itself up fast enough to meet the new demand. Yes, yes. As herbal infusions were catching on, we went through a series of years where one year there was no nettle to be bought. They simply hadn't grown enough to meet everybody. No, I was there. I was there. I couldn't get any nettle. It was then the next year. It was no linden. Exactly. So we, you know, we went. Then you couldn't get any red clover. But eventually, they learned (laughs) what herbs were using for infusions, and the market has expanded. More people are growing, so there's more in the market. So that That is wonderful. As people learn about, you know, the great herbs, then again, the industry and the growers will expand, and that will be there. And uh, for a couple of years, there may be a few shortages, but that's why we use weeds. Because that's even if, okay. Even if you I'm can't, be one of them. if you can't buy I'm them, so you excited. can sure find them. Yes, and I'm going to be one of them growing them. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm growing on my balcony, but that's only a little oh, bit. Oh, good but... for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks so Susan, much for thank calling. thank you so much. Thank you Green so much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Love you. Love you so much. Uh-huh. Love you, too. All right, and Moretta, too. <laughs> Have a good night. And Moretta, too. All right, okay, good night. Good night. Susan, we have a caller from 860. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. Oh, good. Thank you so much for taking my call. 
Thank you for this interesting um, information about coronavirus, too. It's really helpful. Can you hear me? Absolutely, yes. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, I My mom is 86, and she has been suffering uh, with pain in her right leg since June. Um, and it was misdiagnosed at first as being shingles, uh, as it seemed to be a nerve pain, which I guess it is. Um, the most recent thing was that they did an MRI, and they found a, a cyst back there, um, a synovial cyst, and it's um, pinching a nerve in there, uh, which they think is causing the pain and the num numbness and the tingling. Um, and the doctor sort of suggested to me that it had something to do with a little bit of arthritis in her in her back. Um, so I don't know anything about this stuff uh, except what they're telling me. I mean, I can give you more information about what, what the doctor said. But as far as um, my question goes, um, do you have recommendations for, for her for uh, healing this? I mean, we're sort of talking. We're, uh, the latest thing is we're talking to the cyst and, the nerve and asking the, the cyst to – we're thanking it and, and, and asking it if it will uh, relinquish its grip and sort of dissolve away and let her, her nerve relax. Um, and and we've, she's been um, having nourishing herbal infusions for a couple of years, um, and, and I guess in the last maybe year and a half, I've been making sure she gets them every day. Um, about a pint, though, not a quart. We, yeah. we, I, I can afford that's to make true. a quart, so we share it. Yes. Um, sorry, go ahead. I said that's just fine. That's not a problem. Yes, we, we love it, and I, I think it's helping keep, keep us healthy in a lot of ways. But the trouble is that all this pain in her leg has incapacitated her, and she's normally really active. Um, and because she's had um, some heart, heart uh, problems in the past, it's been really important for her to be able to exercise and um, e even her morning stretches the physical therapist has told her to hold off on she went in and had a um, for lack of a better idea and feeling desperate she had a um, steroidal epidural about two weeks ago and it didn't have any uh, effect she had a sore ass for a while from the shot but it didn't seem to ease the pain at all um, and the only thing that that we've tried uh, new since then is I've been frying some cannabis and butter, and she has that just before she goes to bed, and she thinks that maybe it helps her sleep. But any thoughts would be greatly appreciated. Yes. Well, thank you. Your new book, Abundantly Well, The Seven Medicines. So let's look at the seven medicines. The first medicine is serenity medicine. Pain runs a really dazzling carnival. Mm. But more and more, we are aware that even when there is physical cause, that pain originates in the brain. Mm. And serenity medicine directly affects the brain the brain's ability to make hormones that make us feel good, the brain's ability to distract us from the pain, especially the brain's ability to 
calm the nerves. Hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be meditation. What I say to people is that, and it's very difficult, you know, for me to counter her physical therapist, but my experience and the people that I know that do body work say, unless you are going to injure soft tissue by exercising, then pain is not a reason to not exercise. Can her can her nerves be damaged by being uh, pinched by the 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 uh, cyst, or is it just being squeezed and causing pain? The person reading the MRI would be better able to say mm. that. Okay, it's very I difficult could... to know for sure. Mm. But usually, exercise will improve circulation, reduce mm. any possible damage. It doesn't have to be really vigorous exercise. One of my friends has really been laid low by a kind of one to three punch of things happening to her. Um, her lower body, her lungs, her heart is just like... And so she made a commitment to get up and take as many steps as she could in five minutes every hour. Mm. She's now up some days to 8,000 steps. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And she just, you know, opens her door. She lives in a mild enough climate. She can open her door, and she she can't walk up hills anymore because of what's going mm. on with in her heart, but she has found flat places to walk. So I encourage your mom to find those ways to invigorate herself and mm. to find that partly through serenity medicine. Serenity is also about the continual adjustment we have to make to growing up. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy to get cranky and have a bad attitude. Mm. So, you know, that's the next medicine, which is story medicine. What's the story that we're telling ourselves here? Oh, I heard you say that last week, and it helped me so much. Because hearing her hissing in pain and 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 telling me you know about about her pain was I was losing my my sort of ability to be sympathetic, and I um, I heard you talking to someone last week, um, and and that's when I decided I would write out our little uh, prayer to her, <laughs> to her uh, her cyst and her her nerves, mm. so mm-hmm. that we would keep sort of sending good energy at it instead of cursing it. Exactly. Change, to change that story, you know, to change that sort of right. anger and fear and, and frustration. And then, and, like, yeah. Because we hurt ourselves with those feelings. Yes. We make nasty brain chemicals. Yeah, we want really. To, we want to feel good brain chemicals. Thank you. Mm. 
<laughs> we want the pleasure and the reward and the bonding. Those are the chemicals we want. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring them on. I have a little plaque here that somebody brought me from the Dalai Lama. It says, the purpose of your life is to be happy. Hmm. Keep that where I can remind myself of that as often as I need to. So we go from story medicine to mind medicine, and that's, as you can see, they kind of move from one easily into the other, and, and mind medicine is faith and its affirmations and its art and mm. its um, energy medicine and its acupuncture and its homeopathy. So mind medicine is just fascinating. And they took some people and they said, well, you have this pain because of this problem and we're going to do an operation and it will relieve the pain. And the people had agreed to be in a study, and they knew that some of them were not actually going to be operated on. Take everybody into the operating theater and put them out, and they actually even cut open everybody. But some of them, they did the procedure, and the others, they didn't. Hmm. They got better equally. Huh. They believed they'd had this treatment. Right. I'm encouraging her to believe that her mind can can have some effect on this. It's funny because I feel like my mom of of long ago sort of knows that, but my yeah. mom who's been in in pain for the mm-hmm. last nine months or ten months or whatever it is has kind of lost touch with her um, feeling of um, empowerment. Maybe mm-hmm. she she really has kind of um, is the pain getting worse and worse. Um, I don't think so. I think it's just exhausting to be always in pain. I think that it's that it's grueling. But it, from what I from what I gather, it is it doesn't really it hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. It can be grueling, but that's part of mind medicine. Does it have to be? Yeah, I wonder. Buddha said, said, pain is inevitable, suffering is a choice. Mm. Oh. So we all know that no matter how bad the pain is, if we can really get our mind off it, we won't feel that pain. That's one of the things that Patch Adams does. You know, he goes into hospitals. He travels around all the time. And he goes into hospitals everywhere in the world, and he says, take me to your worst patient, the one in intractable pain, the one that you can't do anything for. And he goes in, and he clowns, and he laughs, and he sings with Mm. them, and they are not in pain. I wish I had a little of that clown uh, energy. (laughs) I'm sort of running out of it. (laughs) I, I, I have the sense that it would really help her to laugh more and... You know, I'm sort of trying, but um, we're both a little exhausted by it. I think it's it's um not exhausted by the pain. You're exhausted of novel. Sorry, what? You're not exhausted by the pain. You're exhausted by your resistance to it. Hmm. Hmm. 
I think she's exhausted by her resistance to her pain, and I'm I'm just exhausted, kind of maybe struggling. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm I must be struggling in some way that's not helping me. Other be in pain. Let, did you say let her be in pain? Yes, it's difficult to let her be in pain. It is difficult. And that's what I mean by struggling against it. Hmm. There is a book called Who Dies by Stephen Levine. Mm. And in it are three meditations on the heart of pain. Mm. In which rather than resisting the pain or struggling against the pain, we go into the heart of the pain. Pain is usually a signal that we should do something, that we're injuring ourselves in some way. When pain becomes chronic, mm. we have to learn how to use our minds through meditation, through story, through art, through placebo effect, through faith, in all of these ways to accommodate that pain. I see chronic pain as a very bad-mannered pet. (laughs) We have all had a pet like that, haven't we? Oh, yes. And we didn't just throw it out, even though it did not have good manners. I have a cat right now who bites. (laughs) You know, there was a sign on her cage. Do not have anything to do with this cat. This cat bites. And I had spent hours there looking for my cat and not found it. And suddenly I thought, ah, of course, it's the cat who bites. That's my cat. (laughs) (laughs) So we, yes, we find the accommodation. We find the joy. I want you to imagine, if you can, that you are feeling pain. And I want you to make a pain face. And I want you to feel the muscles in your face. Now, I want you, from that pain face, which usually the mouth is turned down, there's gripping in the jaw, the eyes Mm. are narrowed. I want you, starting from the jaw, to loosen the jaw, let the mouth become neutral, and open the eyes a little wider. I want you to keep feeling the pain, or imagining that you're feeling the pain. Mm. Now, can you feel with your eyes wide that that's actually a response to pain? And that you Widening don't... the eyes? Yes, that you don't have to narrow the eyes and clench mm. the jaw mm-hmm. against the pain. You can relax the jaw and open the eyes and let the pain out through the eyes. Mm. Hmm. If she could do that, it would be easier on you. Huh. I will suggest that. And you can do that with her, and you can get who dies, and you can read those meditations with her. They're quite moving. I will. I will. I'm fortunate to have access to books. Yeah. 
And then lifestyle medicine, and we talked about exercising, and she's drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Yeah. And then there's the gap, and the gap reminds us that the first four medicines make us healthy, and the last three medicines can save our lives, but they will make us unhealthy. And over the very next step is alternative medicine. And, Mm -hmm. of course, top of the list for any time there's pain is massage and acupuncture. She did try try alternative medicines that can Mm. be helpful. Mm. We'll we'll give them another try. We did did go for one massage, which I think she really enjoyed while she was having it. I don't think she noticed a a huge change, but how how would she with one massage? Um, And acupuncture we haven't tried for a while. Yeah. And the massage is really, you know, it's her time. It's time for her to be mm. just the mm-hmm. of loving touch. Yes, yes. Because you get so beside yourself when you're in chronic pain, you know. Mm. That's so true. Yeah. So it's a, a chance for her to integrate and to really be happy in her body. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. What's your mom's name? <laughs> it's a wonderful program. I'm sorry, what? What's your mom's name? Her name is Marilyn. Marilyn, thanks. Sending green blessings you and to Marilyn. Thank you so much, Susan. Green blessings to you. Bye-bye. Susan, we have a caller from 575 area code. Five seven five in just ten minutes to talk to her. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm calling about a dog. I don't know if you can be of service. Um, I ordered the Juliet. Juliet. Um, I can't pronounce her last name. Broccoli. Her herbal dog and cat book. Juliet. Um, it, Juliet. Debericly Levy. Debericly. Thank you. Okay. And um, it got sent back, <laughs> so I have to reorder it. There was a P.O. box mishap. So I'm calling about um, uh, our dog who has a. It started as like looking like a cyst, like a like a large, hard sort of pussy like pimple. And um, it has since turned, it was really soft then, and now it's turned into, like, cauliflower, uh, like, consistency and shape. And it's just, it it gets bloody and it's dried, and then it will get knocked or scratched, and then it bleeds again. And it doesn't seem to cause the dog pain. He's not, like, his diet hasn't changed or anything like that. but uh, we took him to the vet, and he, the vet couldn't tell us what it was, didn't give us any sort of options other than cutting it off for $350. So I was just curious if you might have an opinion about this um, until I can get Juliette's DeBericlay's, uh book. Bericlay Levy. Her last name is Levy, L-E-V-Y. Levy, thank you. It's Bericlay Levy. Bericlay Levy, yes. Um, 
Well, I'm glad that you went to the vet because I can't tell without looking, and the vet really can't tell without looking either, but better than I, without being able to see it at all, uh, what the possibility it is that it's cancer. The cauliflower-like appearance, the fact that it's bleeding, these are things that would lead me to say, oh, I wonder if this is cancer. Um, And that kind of cancer that arises on the skin like that can spread through the blood and be somewhat deadly. Or it could be a more benign growth, which sounds like what the vet is saying, is that this is no big deal. Um, can get it cut off or not. Is that correct? Is that what the vet is saying? Um, yeah, I didn't get a benign diagnosis, but there wasn't any testing or biopsy done. Right. Um, so, so the vet's yeah, not, yeah. not worried about that. Um, no. The classic thing to dissolve any kind of growth is castor oil. Castor oil. Okay. And you soak a piece of flannel in castor oil, wrap it up in foil, warm it in the oven, unwrap it from the foil, and put the warm castor oil on whatever it is that you want. Thank you. And I can do that Multiple times a day? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I will do that. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Susan. Good night. Green blessings. Green blessings. All right. Looks like we have time for another caller. Hooray. We sure do. I like six, seven, seven, three. Seven, seven, three. Hi, Susan. We don't have Hello. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, so, being as quick as I can, um, I uh, basically had. Um, sorry, is there someone unmuted, or is that just me hearing? Well, I'm hearing a lot of voices too. Catherine, are there people with you speaking? No, I'm on mute. Okay. Hmm. Did you close the other line, the previous one? Both the caller from this area code and I are hearing people talking in the background. Oh, I think. Okay, Hello. I apologize for that. I'm sorry. Okay, are we, are we good now? Be better. All right, great. Oh, Go I ahead. Think we're good. Thank good. you. Um, so uh, about 10 years ago, um, I developed... Um, a deep chronic pelvic pain that took about four years to uh, diagnose. I was young. I was about 19, um, going to doctor after doctor who kept telling me nothing was wrong. Uh, finally, I got diagnosed with um, vulvar vestibulitis, um, which for anyone who doesn't know, just means uh, an inflammation to the entrance of my vagina. I uh, took the prescribed medicines. I did biofeedback and um, uh, uh, physical therapy and uh, did it for about a year, uh, got much better. 
But at a certain point, I could tell I wasn't going to get any more better uh, that wasn't going to fix the problem or solve it. It just made it more manageable. And I realized that I could do all of that on my own. Um, and that's actually, so that's probably about five years ago. That's how I found you through your book down there. And um, I've been a student of yours ever since. I take very good care of myself and follow a lot of your teachings. Um, uh, and even most recently in the past year, what has helped me most tremendously is the story medicine, mind medicine, uh, because of the, the, the past I had uh, pain catastrophizing and um, all sorts of things that, um, that kind of came from it. Um, but here I am now. I'm much better, um, and uh, I, I still have uh, the pain. I, I went back to um, physical therapy once again, and um, basically the theory is that something causes the muscles to tense and uh, it kind of creates a cycle, a pain cycle, um, and doing the physical therapy helps so much. And uh, this time around, I kind of realized uh, – through learning more of my anatomy as well, that the Bartholin's glands or the just the vulvar vestibular glands are very tense and very sore and that the pain kind of originates with arousal and it just kind of seems like the glands are the source. And um, it also kind of made me realize that for a very long time, as long as I can remember, I also have trouble with my salivary glands um, when I eat first eat a bite of something, they tense up and they, they hurt a lot until they kind of get lubricated. I kind of realized that's the same thing that's happening um, in my vagina, with my vagina. Um, so I'm just trying to learn more and wondering if you had any thoughts about what the connection between the salivary glands and the vestibular glands are. Is this part of the endocrine system or mucosal membranes? Or I'm just not kind of sure what these glands are. So I was just wondering if you had any um, ideas or insights of uh, a new path for me to look into. Yes. And wow. And we don't have very long. Uh, I'm very (laughs) excited to talk to you. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you have done and how thorough and clear you are. I really that. Um, Over the past couple of years, it has been proposed that there is a new major organ in the human body called the interstitium. And the interstitium is everything that ties us together. It's the intercellular fluids. It's the um, fascia. It's the um, epithelium that lines the blood vessels and all of the hollow tubes of the body. It's the sheaths around the nerves and other things. It is literally what connects us to ourselves, the interstitium. And so I think that concept can be useful to you. Mm-hmm. That, yes, yeah, of course. Just, um... uh, yeah, of course your Bartholian glands and your salivary glands are connected. Mm-hmm. And something is causing the interstitium to tighten up. Mm-hmm. We all have learned behaviors that cause us to hunch our shoulders or 
round over or um, in other ways try to avert bad things from happening. And one of the ways that some people learn to avert bad things from happening is to tense up. And you don't need to know what made you tense up in the first place. What you need to know is how can you feel safe? Yes, exactly. And that will come bit by bit by bit. For me, one of the things that really made me feel safe was recapturing a childhood memory and being told about it, too, by my parents, that I had this floppy gray elephant that I really adored. And, of course, as with any childhood thing, it just got dirtier and, you know, drug around and, you know, things purposely fed to it and spilled on it and whatever until finally it was taken away from me. Hmm. And that made me feel unsafe. And when I got that memory back, when I realized that, I said, well, guess what? You're grown up now. And I just started buying myself elephants. And everywhere I look now, there's an elephant. Sometimes a big one, sometimes a little one. But there are elephants there to remind me that nothing can ever really be taken away from me. Well, yeah, I think you 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 hit on um, just kind of connected some things I had been thinking about. I mean, words for for me recently that be coming up is nourishment, comfort, and safety is what I've been working on, um, yeah. and the whole. There, I do feel like there's this underlying dryness or stickiness that I just can't quite figure out in the glands what kind of releases that. Um, so I, I know there's not much time, but I look forward to well, thinking about Well, before that dark time completely disappears, comfrey, 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 comfrey. Externally as as well no. or mostly internal? Comfrey, as I say, only affects the tendons, the ligaments, the fascia, mm. the mucous surfaces, the skin – in fact, if we had had the word interstitium, then the herbalist would say that comfrey is the great healer of the interstitium. Thank you so much. Um, I will incorporate more comfrey into my diet and, and call back and let you know how I'm doing. Great. So I'm talking about comfrey nourishing herbal infusion, right? Yes. I, I do okay, take good. infusions, right. and uh, actually comfrey is the one that I don't take, so... I will add that into my rotation. Add a pinch of one of your favorite mints to it. All right. I will. When you brew it, it will distract you from the slipperiness when you drink it. Or drink it (laughs) very hot. That's why I don't take it for some reason. Or drink it very, very hot. It's something that's already told me that that's what I need, the slipperiness, but it's so hard for me to get down. I understand. I so that little, that. Pin, little pinch of some mint can can change that, or drink it very hot with honey. Thank you very much. Green blessings. You too. And is Eagle Song here? Hi, Eagle Song. Hi, there she is. Eagle Song Evans Garden is a gardener, herbalist, grandmother, earthkeeper, and a pilgrim adventurer from the Pacific Northwest corner of North America. She is a woman with a passion for culture 
which she notices grows from the connection of people, plants, and earth. Eagle Song is the founder of Ravencroft Garden in Monroe, Washington, where she tends heart and soul at the hearth of Ravencroft. Eagle Song Evans Gardner is the director of the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference, a gathering for women interested in tending life the wise woman way. A daily practice of natural health, simple living, and herbal medicine anchors her herbal apprenticeships for those interested in the rigorous journey of being human. Welcome to the show, Ecofog. Have I been muted? Have I been dropped? Which buttons are you pushing, Catherine? I can hear you. Am I? Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. I can hear you. Hi, can you Eagle Song. Hi, Susan. I'm so glad you're with us tonight. And I am delighted to be here. I think that you want to talk about Hawthorne tonight. It's true. I want to talk about Hawthorne every chance I can. <laughs> just... <laughs> I told people that I admired you because you did great work in the outside world, especially the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference, but not just that, a lot of other things you've done in the world, and that you do really intense inner work as well, and that your guide for that inner work has been Hawthorne. Yes, that is actually uh, really well said. Uh, Hawthorne, uh, you know, you've been with the plant for a long time, but there's part of it and part of yourself that you actually do not know until one day the time has come to have it revealed. So uh, that happened to me on a herb walk one day. A woman wanted to know what some plant was good for, and I was actually quite done with the question, what is that good for? And um, unceremonially said, I don't know, what are you good for? And obviously not the right thing to say. Felt kind of a tapping on my shoulder, turned around, and a hawthorn tree was there. And the hawthorn said, Eagle Song, it's time to go walk about. (laughs) So did you? I did. Uh, Actually, it's been a decade now. The walkabout was five years of very intense internal work Um, because Hawthorne said, that question isn't her question, Eagle Song. It's your question. What are you good for? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a, a game stopper, to say the least. And so... I didn't really know what to do. Um, I, you might say I was in my uh, other mind, <laughs> but um, but I did a lot of things. I went I went on pilgrimage. I went to find out where my grandmother was born in England. And oddly enough, well, it wasn't odd. I wanted to go on May Day, and got to London on the day before May Day, and then took the train to the village. Cropthorne, where she was born, and all the way, two and a half hours on the train from London to Cropthorne, 
all the hawthorns were in full bloom. <gasps> oh, yeah. It was like they rolled out the white flowered carpet for me. Oh. <laughs> so, so that really kind of got me going with this idea. And, and oddly enough, I'd been harvesting a hedgerow of hawthorn close to my home that was, um, well, I've been harvesting that hedge for 20, 20 <laughs> years or more now. So I had already an intense relationship with Hawthorne, but Hawthorne wanted me to see a bigger world and so kept enticing me to come where she is. So so I went there and walking through, in England you can walk everywhere. It's just amazing. It's beautiful. And there's all these footpaths that you can go on. So I just walked because I wanted to find out how did it feel for my grandmother when she was there in 1904 that's when she left and she was about 12 or maybe 13 and so I said I'm just going to walk because she just walked and so in that walking I actually realized all the herbs in my repertoire that I'd been using for years and years and years were on they were in the hedgerows they were on those pathways all my familiars were there and it was just like, oh, wow, I have come home. And, wow. and I really believe, you know, you say that you're in your grandmother, that maybe I really, in her, experienced all the plant life and everything. So so that really, um, to go and see a lot of things I would have never taken time to do. And the Hawthorne. You know, I was, it was not a good uh, time to be around me. I was pretty thorny, just as the tree. Um, those thorns really protect that tree because she's so nourishing. And I, in some ways, created thorns around me to keep people away because this question about what am I good for was so um, pointed. Like, I really, really wanted to know what what is this all about. And and she just kept laughing and and leading me on and leading me on. So so I went. <laughs> I, I love that. I went to all these beautiful English gardens. I really love that I'm a gardener. I really love um, you know gardeners are people that are romanticized. People uh, think that being a gardener would be such a great job. And it's like if I had a nickel for everyone who said that to me. I would be a wealthy woman at this point. But because I'm a gardener, I'm far more wealthy than all those nickels could ever come to. (laughs) Beautifully said. (laughs) Yeah, really seeing this connection to earth as part of my heritage and and all of our heritage, really, that, that we all come from earth, no matter where we are. And... And what we're good for is a lot of things. And that's when Hawthorne started branching out. So I went, um, once again, I went to France and England. I really enjoyed the, the first experience. Somehow I, was, I managed to get back there again. And in France, it was the same thing. I just, as soon as I got off the boat, I felt so at home. And the first plant to greet me was a full-bloom dandelion. And <laughs> and I it's, and lush. Oh my gosh, the the hedges and the edges in France were incredibly lush. And again, all the familiars are there. 
elderflower was blooming, roses were blooming. Uh, it was just a remarkable thing to go and see all the plants I was so used to live all around this latitude in all the different countries. There's so many things we can uh, talk about with each other if we live at the same latitude because the plants are pretty similar. So in France, the, the hedges were different. They were lower and wider and incredibly thick. In fact, they, the bocage, they call it, is so thick that when World War II happened, the, the, the biggest obstacle that everybody ran into on that great thing called D-Day, which I refused to have anything to do, but the woman in France that I met said, no, you can't come here and, and act like you were not part of this. You need to see these things. And, and so I took a day, and I went and I looked at all these things. And the thing that I found out was the hedges could stop the tanks. The because they were so thick. Yes, it totally messed up the whole plan because they hadn't considered that a tank could not actually get over or through the hedges. They were that protective of all the individual fields and places that they had formed boundaries around, which became one of the other big jokes of um, hedges are about boundaries. And I obviously needed some uh, educating in that area. So I've, I've come to find out that, yes, they, they hold things in and they keep things out. So hedge medicine is this amazing place where we actually are somewhat like the interstitial fluid. It keeps certain things out and lets other things through it. That's what makes the hedges so vital. They're, they're filled with life. They serve so many purposes. And so, so that deepened my what's it good for, all the over 60 different types of plants, animals, insects, hang out in the hedge with all those hawthorn trees. So it's a <laughs> living green ribbon that runs through any place that actually creates hedges, creates habitats. And, and the hedges I'm most interested in are hawthorn hedges. But really, all over the world, people make hedges out of plants. Yes, you've got to keep your animals away from your plants. Yeah, that's right. You're going to have animals and you're going to have plants that you're growing, and you do not want your animals that you're keeping to eat the plants you are growing. That's very true. It's the biggest true. concern that any any small farmer has is how to keep the plants and the animals separate. That's right. That's right. And if you can do it by actually creating a fence that's alive and the animals can eat but can't destroy, you you have a very good asset. You know, I always think about the farmer down the road from me, and he asked me one day in his very shy farmer way, um, if there was anything that he could use besides drugs to lower his blood pressure. And I looked up on the hill and I said, there's a hawthorn tree up there, and that would yep. definitely help you. And he said, you know, I've been trying to kill that hawthorn tree since since I was old enough to hate it. Yes. I don't think it will yes. help me. And I thought, uh -huh. what a testament to the hawthorn. That this this man who grew up there, right, who as a kid tried to kill the hawthorn, yep. failed. 
that is the beauty of the hawthorn is that you cut it down and she comes back with more energy. Right? Yeah. Did he ever try it? Oh, there was some motherwort growing next to us. I said, why don't you try motherwort instead? Ah, right. Another <laughs> great ally in the hedge. So Hawthorne Another great ally plant. in the hedge. It seems more reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you have to enter where you can enter. You can't force people to do things that they've set their own lives against. You know what? Exactly. He spent his whole life trying to kill the Hawthorne tree. I'm not going to, like, shake it up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, so, and again, so it was, was very difficult it. for him to approach me, and he was quite shy about it, so it wasn't ah. an appropriate time. I hear you. All right. <laughs> All right. Right. So, I was interested in hearts. I mean, I was experiencing, as you remember, I often called and said I had a broken heart, and you kept telling me it can't, your heart can't break, Eagle Song. And, right. And I, three years, we went through that routine. And, and now I get it. Your heart it's can't hard. break. It's just organ. It does not break. Yes. It feels like That's it, right. but it does not. <laughs> it's so true. And and that set me on to learning about hearts. Like, I was interested in hearts. My dad had, um, you know, three. At that time, they were doing open heart surgeries. Now I've learned that they actually have other ways of um, of working with the heart. Amazing. Things have changed since 1977 when he first had his Heart. But I was feeling not confident to to bring Hawthorne to him. I suggested it, but I didn't have any real uh, sense of, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't in me. And so by using Hawthorne for the last 10 years rigorously, I have ingested more Hawthorne than anybody I know because I'm experimenting. <laughs> right. And I want to know, right? I'm a curious person. I want to know. And so... Then I just really started to learn about the heart. I took anatomy and physiology classes. I wanted to understand, well, how does the blood get from here to there? And, and you know, we used to think the heart was a pump. We're shifting gears a bit here. But, but the heart, it's kind of like a pump, but it, it actually can't really do the job of a pump. You can't have the blood be pushed from your feet back up to your heart every day day in and day out for your whole life. It, it's not a mechanical thing. It's, it's more like the way the water moves up in a tree, up the xylem and down the floor. Ah. And so there's, it's more like suction. In a tree, the tree transpires. It breathes out moisture. And so that helps to pull moisture from the ground up into the tree's leaves. And in the people, the veins and and they, they now, because they can actually send cameras down in, through your veins, they can see the way the veins work when someone's alive. Before, they could only see the way the veins were when people were dead. We're dead. <laughs> yeah, so this idea of actually going into living organisms and getting to see them functioning helped people really learn a lot about the heart and the veins and how the blood moves around the body. and and. Hawthorne essentially has a lot of, of um, constituents that help that process, that really nourish that process. But, you know, one thing leads to another. So the next thing I'm thinking about is I live in a town where there's a very high population of, um, of people from Mexico. 
And and every year at Christmas time, some of my friends when I was suffering in that great heart place, uh, the broken heartedness, I my friends would come and they would buy goats from me, and so they would, um, you know, for a um, fifteen year old girl's birthday or a one year old child's birthday, they would have a big fiesta, and they put yes. especially liked goat, and so they would come because I had goats, and they would. Um, they would bring along their um, the man to give death, and he dispatched the goat, you know, very fast and incredibly uh, with a, a tremendous amount of grace. Then the the goat was um, the back quarter of the goat, and they paid me for the goat. Then they cut the back hind leg off the goat, and they gave it back to me. Oh my gosh! Uh huh. And then they said, "And will you come to the fiesta?" Ah. So I go to the fiesta and they have this punch <clears throat> called ponche. And we get talked, well, I can't actually speak Spanish. So we just have a very non-language uh, exchange that goes on for several years. And, and always I'm welcome in their family. And then I find out the main ingredient in the punch is hawthorn. Oh, my God. Are you there? Yeah, the main ingredient is hawthorn. Yes. So I am introduced to Critagus mexicana, as well as a, a culture that is so, that the connection between people is so important that they, they have this whole idea of fiesta and that you give, like to buy the goat and give me back the best part of the goat. Now, that was something that blew my mind. I didn't really understand that. And then to invite me to the party on top of it. And then they could see that I was really sad. So they never, ever, like I could just sit there and be quiet. But when there was dancing, oh, you cannot just sit and watch. They would make all the old women who are sitting in chairs on the side of the party get up and dance. Now, this is what I call social medicine. That's right. They, they really know how to keep every person. This is a, a, a people that can throw a party, and the youngest children and the oldest people all have a place there. You know, you might be out in the parking lot drinking tequila, or you might be inside drinking, or not drinking, but dancing with the big ball glittering around. And Everybody, there's something for everybody. And I'm thinking this is like a big lesson for me. And so, so Protegas Mexicana has an entirely different kind of medicine, but it's still a hawthorn. And they're big. They're like an inch and a half across, and they're yellow. And they're a, a parent to many of the hawthorns that are, that are used in the trade of um, horticulture. Well, so, so then we have this other hawthorn that, that starts to come into my, um, my vision, and that's the Protegas pinotifida the Chinese hawthorn. And here we have another hawthorn from an entirely different part of the world who actually plays an entirely different role in that culture's uh, way of being with the plant. And that one is really used in Chinese medicine, but it's also used in everyday life, and it is good for digestion. So when my boys were little, we would go to the Chinese herb shops in Seattle, and, and always they would give the kids these little packets of haw flakes, which are just little 
um, they're like Neko, if anyone remembers old Neko candies. They're just little wafers, and all they are is hawthorn and sugar. And the kids love them. We all think it's a great thing. And so that was really probably the first time I ever had any hawthorn was enjoying those hawthorns. So here we have a, a people that use the hawthorn more in a way for um, assimilating the food that they're eating, making sure the digestive system is working. And here we have a country where, you know, getting enough to eat was probably a big part of everybody's daily thinking. And so, yes, we want a plant that actually means we're going to get the absolute most out of the food that we actually get to eat. So, so culture informs people, and they're all Crataegus trees, but they all look differently because the land is different where they're growing. So the tree adapts to the land. The people figure out how to use the tree in their everyday life, and their culture informs them of how that plant could be useful to them. And, of course, everyone loves the plants that are edible and tastes good and that you can use over long periods in your life. So I think of Hawthorne as the perfect adaptogen. I do too. It's a beautiful adaptogen, and it happens to, like they say, 2,718 species of Hawthorne in the northern latitudes. That's a lot of diversity. And that's when I started thinking, right, the plants are there, inviting us into this beautiful, diverse world. And then we have the American herbalist who is sitting in their clinic and they're prescribing Hawthorne to people so it helps their heart. A whole different story. And yet it works too. And it works too, yes. <laughs> yes. So, so my, yeah, it go ahead. reminds me of Linden because I talked so much about Linden being and anti-inflammatory, and I am always brought up short when I open a book and it says, Linden is a wonderful herb to brighten your mood. Oh, great. Right, and it's actually one of its probably preeminent uses worldwide is as a mood brightener. But I just uh-huh. think of it, you know, it, it, in such other ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're kind of enculturated to think about things the way we get that information delivered to us. Exactly. And I could go off on Linden just as much as Hawthorne because they hang out together a lot. <laughs> and they, they, they do all kinds of things in the protective sense and in the nourishing sense. Both of them are amazingly nourishing. It's called the, the Tea de Europa the linden, but we don't want to get off on linden. We could go there, but we're not going to. We could. So, <laughs> so I think that Hawthorne is um, really inviting people to look at her because she has so many uses. She can be used as medicine. She's got incredible economic potential. In other countries, they use her for candy and jellies and all kinds of things and medicine and you know, so this is a plant that is willing to grow. You can hardly kill it. And yet people have been trained, just like dandelions, that this is an evil plant. We have to kill it. In our county, in where my linden or where my hawthorn hedge that I pick every year, 
it's actually a noxious weed and the county wants people to destroy them. So we've taken to hanging all kinds of little bells and, and things on the trees and putting, posting a note, this tree is medicine for my family and friends. Um, please don't harm her. And, you know, it's so much fun to go out and harvest, lin- or har- I got Lyndon on the brain now, to go out and harvest hawthorn and see trees that have been decorated with an announcement that this is a medicine tree and this tree serves a great use for people. So there's an education going on that's just sort of sifting out into the, into the neighborhood. Um, so, so this is the excitement for me is that what is it good for? Wow. What, what is Hawthorne good for? It's the easier question to answer would be, what is she not good for? (laughs) (laughs) As they used to say, she's good for what ails you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in so many ways that, I mean, so many different kinds of trees. And so, and so, nurseries this is a plant that could be sold we actually i have a nursery i'm working with we're going to run out of time but i'm not running out of story and so um people last year i put announcement up that they could buy this one tree that i have been have grafted by a nursery who's set up for it and he sold out in a day and so next year he's going to have 10 times more than he had this time and so we'll do it again and I want people to start really looking at the Hawthorns where they live and start to share information. So we're starting a little thing called the Hawthorn Project to to just start collecting information about this amazing, diverse, abundant species and how this plant might be willing to bring herself into our farms and neighborhoods, just like oat straw and nettle, that actually will create habitat that improves the farm's um, you know, bug count, so they have better uh, pollination. Just all kinds of things happening around the amazing generative genus Critagus. The amazingly generative genus Critagus. That is a mouthful, but absolutely true. And it I is. have a question for you, which is now that we have come to the last few minutes of our time together, what do you want to leave in the hearts and the minds of everyone who's been listening to you? To really go outside. Really look at the world that you live in. Really look at it in small detail. Appears we have a lot more time to go outside and look at things right now. So take advantage of it. That's what I want to leave in the hearts and minds of people, and find your closest hawthorn tree. Find a hawthorn tree. Yes, there's one hawthorn tree in my woods, and there's the hawthorn tree that you gave me, which is slowly, slowly growing. How wonderful. I was just sitting by it yesterday. All right. Uh, and check out the Pacific Women's Herbal Conference. Eagle Song does a tremendous job with this conference. People from all over the world show up at it. I'll be there this year. Come and join us. It's going to be fun. I love you. Thank you so much for sharing with us tonight, your ally, Hawthorne, and all the wonderful things that... Um, 
it has to share its way yeah. of creating a dense protection, its way of getting into our hearts, its um, tremendous adaptogenic powers. Mm-hmm. Quite, quite a friend to have. Quite a friend to have. Just like you, Susan, over the years, two ornery old women. As we're a pair, I guess. Well, you know what I always say It's the slick plants And the shiny ones That are going to hurt you And it's often true with people too Hi (laughs) That's good news The ones that have have needles And thorns and stingers Have them to protect their sweetness Which is held inside Indeed, so true Yeah (laughs) Yeah, so everybody get outside and play and um, take advantage of this time. It's a pause. It's it's a time for us to really pause and and look at our world and and think about what you want in your world. Good advice. Green blessings are everywhere. And Catherine, thanks for helping us to get those green blessings flowing around to all kinds of people. What a wonderful job you did. Rebecca didn't have to jump in at all. <laughs> right? Yeehaw. Thank you for having me. Yes. Green blessings. Green blessings, everybody. Be with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye now. Good night, everyone. Good night, Rebecca.